0: Welcome to episode 5 of Ask a Sizzle podcast, powered by Harangi. Every month, you get insider security tips and insights on the newest trends in cybersecurity from top sizzles to help you improve your domain knowledge and get better at your job. My name is Sherry Sim, and I'm the Customer Success Manager at Harangi. And with me today, I have Natasha Amadia, a member of our fast-growing Indonesian cyber operations team, joining us from Jakarta. Natasha is a cybersecurity consultant specializing in governance, risk, and compliance, otherwise known as GRC, and cyber strategy. Natasha's security expertise spans from e-commerce, telcos, banking, and financial institutions. Thank you for joining us today, Natasha. In this session, we'd like to dive into some of the recent changes in Indonesia's regulatory landscape and how you see organizations reacting to it. To kick things off, I'd like to find out from you when you speak to customers today, what are the key security concerns that they have?
1: Hello everyone. Uh, thank you, Cherry, for the time and thank you uh, guys for tuning in. So, uh, I'm Natasha. As mentioned by Cherry, I'm, the, I'm a cyber operation consultant for Horangi Indonesia and I'm based in Jakarta. There are actually several uh, top security concerns of our customers today and one of them is how challenging it is to enforce security awareness for their employees. Uh, We have to admit that humans are still the main target for bad actors. This means that they need to be aware of various types of attacks like uh, social engineering attacks uh, such as phishing, spear phishing, baiting, tailgating, scareware, pretexting, so on and so forth. This type of attacks can only be accomplished through human interactions because it uses psychological manipulations to trick users into giving the information needed by the attackers. And here's the thing, Uh, enforcing uh, security awareness could also mean that a company should change their current culture, which will never be easy. And for some people who are not part of IT security or IT department, it is common for them to think that uh, security is not my responsibility. Talk about how security teams have a hard job right now. But (laughs) knowing that, uh, it is just one human Error away to fall into the attacker's trap. This mindset needs to be changed. Uh, we all should know that all of us are responsible to protect our work asset and also make sure that we do our part to prevent a successful cybersecurity attack. Another top concern that I know is related to how companies adopt a secure software development lifecycle, or uh, it is more familiar with SDLC. Uh, how company can uh, balance these uh, security controls and also their development phase. Because uh, most of our customers are tech companies composed of a big developer team. This company should make sure that their developers hold, uh, that hold the keys to the data security and also application security posture know uh, what they have to do and what are the controls that needs to be implemented. That's why it is also important uh, for the organization to put more effort in adopting a secure SDLC process on a daily basis.
0: Thanks for that, Natasha. It's really interesting that you talk about how you know, humans are uh, the top security concern compared to any other new attack vectors present. Um, one of the recent reports that I read from the UK Information Commissioner's Office actually stated that 90% of cyber data breaches in 2019 were caused by human error, and I think this is very much in line with what Gartner has published as well regarding uh, 2023 having up to 99% of data breaches being caused by you know, client error as well. So cloud security risks seem to have more spotlight in the recent years, and how do you think your customers are actually adapting to this?
1: Well, without a doubt, uh, cloud is also a verifiable attack factor today. Last year, we heard that there was a successful attack caused by a misconfigured open source uh, web application firewall or WAF deployed in the cloud uh, with AWS or Amazon Web Services. Uh, Earlier this year, we also heard another successful attack which came as a result of misconfigured security rules on the server holding uh, nearly 250 million of customer records. We know uh, who they are, but just just don't mention uh, who they are. (laughs) I think the challenge in the cloud security also comes with how regulations and controls are always behind how fast Uh, cloud technologies evolve. If you look at things like financial transactions, data privacy, especially those around PII or personally identifiable information, there are also common concerns in companies because of regulatory pressures. On the other hand, a lot of newer uh, companies use the public cloud, but they are yet to find effective solutions to manage the risk of using the cloud. For example, like DDoS attack, loss of data, data breach, which could also lead to regulatory and compliance issues. For the most part, I noticed that unless a company has personally experienced a DDoS attack on the cloud environment, or maybe they have discovered an intrusion, it is unlikely for smaller organizations to invest in cloud-specific security solutions. But in Indonesia, what we often do we, are, we perform a more holistic assessment of security posture, but this assessment also include a cloud security risk. I foresee that tailored cloud solution like uh, cloud security posture management and also cloud access security broker will begin to grow in popularity as organizations now recognize how they make more financial sense.
0: Yeah, definitely agree with that. Having worked with quite a number of clients across the region as well, uh, I do notice that what you mentioned is true uh, in terms of trends and how, you know, like there will be a slight uptake in these solutions uh, in coming times. So it seems like organizations react based on their understanding of impact probability in order to implement controls to mitigate associated risks. And um, very often, they actually, regulations are what, drive the importance and priorities in terms of what gets resolved first. So on the topic of regulatory compliance, can you tell us a little bit more about what organizations in Indonesian Indonesian
1: uh, landscape should actually take note of in 2020? Okay so as of today there is actually no specific regulations to govern how companies should protect their customers personal data in Indonesia. We know that actually there are some uh, regulations that are popular here. For example, like the protection of personal data in electronic system. This one uh, is issued by the Indonesian Ministry of Communications and Information Technology, or uh, widely known as Cominfo, and also the government regulations regarding the implementation of electronic systems and transaction. We also have a financial service authority regulations, uh, and it is popular with uh, OJK regulation number 38. This regulation uh, is actually mandatory for financial institutions like banking, which also covers some of the requirements to protect the customer's personal data. However, uh, those regulations only provide the general idea of personal data protection, This regulation does not uh, give the specific guidelines on how companies should implement uh, proper security measures to protect the data itself. But now we have the next big thing on the radar, which is the data protection law. A draft was signed by our president earlier this year in January, but it is still in the process of being enacted by the end of 2020 by the end of this year. This is the first cybersecurity-specific regulations in Indonesia, which will affect all of organizations that process the personal data of Indonesian citizens, including e-commerce, banking, and also financial institutions. Based on the publicly available draft, this new law will cover the definition of personal data, the types of personal data, uh for example, the general type uh, consists of full, full name, gender, nationality, and also the specific type like health information, financial information, biometrics, and also political fuse. Disposal of personal data, the requirement to notify the data owner, cominfo, and also other relevant regulatory bodies, no later than three days after an incident of personal data exposure occurs. Perhaps what's most important is actually the consequences of non-compliance with this regulation. In the draft, it is stated that any organization violating the data protection law may be subject to financial penalties of up to 70 million rupiah or seven years of imprisonment.
0: 70 million rupiah as seven yeah. years of imprisonment. <laughs> that actually yeah. sounds very scary. Uh, I feel like my hands are actually sweaty just like thinking about it. <laughs> that's a very hefty penalty. Uh, so on a more serious note, I think people you know often say that compliance means that uh, it's security and non-compliance means that you're not secure, right? So what do you think of that statement? Do you agree with it?
1: I hear this statement all the time but this is not 100% true. It is a common misconception to think that I must do everything here exactly or I am not secure. But actually uh, being secure talks about bringing your organization or your company to a state of acceptable risk and the acceptable risk of each company differs from one to another. Achieving compliance is a good starting point because it can bring you to a good baseline for your security standing. It also helps to make your customers feel confident in using your service. But regulation and best practices frameworks are sometimes too general and the requirements given are more like one-size-fits-all. What I'd like to emphasize is that it is important to understand the context of your organization first and your unique security priorities. From there, you will be able to address what you need to protect and how to prioritize the controls you need to implement. This cannot be achieved by compliance alone because it takes a comprehensive cybersecurity assessment to find the most effective and efficient controls tailored to what your organization needs to face uh, the cybersecurity challenges in your organization.
0: Thanks for clarifying that for us. Uh, I very much like what you said about bringing the organization to a state of acceptable risk. So with that in mind, um, what do organizations need to deal with compliance challenges? And also, do you think it actually makes sense for them to outsource cyber compliance to third parties?
1: So the first thing to do is, like I said, uh, to have a clear understanding of the organization's requirements first. What they need and what they do not need and not every compliance requirement is suitable for an organization and trying to uh, blindly adhere to a certain framework is also not efficient having said that we know that some of the regulations are mandatory and companies do not have a choice they must be compliant for example for In Indonesia, banking and financial institutions must comply to OJK regulations and also the central bank regulations or what we call here is Bank Indonesia. But to achieve a higher maturity level in regards to cybersecurity, it is recommended that companies perform the gaps and risk assessment first before determining uh, the strategy or roadmap to achieve the desired cybersecurity maturity level. These assess- assessments can be performed internally or by the help of third parties. Talking about outsourcing compliance, it is a common dilemma for organization to choose between keeping compliance function in-house or maybe outsource such tasks. Most organizations outsource their compliance functions because uh, they wish to gain additional assurance on the compliance process address a lack of in-house compliance skill and also save money. Outsourcing could also help the organization to avoid disruptions caused by relying on several key personnel who could leave anytime.
0: It actually sounds to me like there are many key benefits of outsourcing compliance to third parties. So I was wondering if a company were actually considering that, what are some of the criteria that you know, you'd recommend them to look out for uh, when selecting vendors?
1: That is a tricky question actually, but if I can elaborate a little bit more uh, the vendor must be customer oriented. This means that they will look uh, what the companies really need and also uh, they have to be familiar with the framework and also the applicable regulations that an organization needs to comply and also they should provide a certified uh, consultants. Uh, and resources and also uh, it's a plus if uh, this vendor is familiar with uh, the business in the same sector so for example if you come for an online travel agents company it is a plus if your vendor actually have uh, some experiences on handling this type of uh, clients in the same sector as well it actually very
0: it very much sounds to me like you're talking about Harangi itself. So, yeah, I was wondering if you're actually implying that companies should, you know, maybe outsource their compliance programs to us. Is that what you're saying?
1: <laughs> well, that's the freedom of the audience to interpret. But because you mentioned that, uh, as part of our strategic services, Horangi helps our customers to demonstrate compliance with the most recognized regulations and frameworks according to their industry. I am personally involved with uh, customers that need to comply with OJK regulations, ISO 27K, SOC 2, PCI DSS, and also we perform cyber strategy assessment based on ISO 27K and NIST framework. We also know that it is challenging to keep up with the continuing regulatory changes. That's why I think outsourcing compliance may be convenient for organizations. Having said that, outsourcing compliance does not invalidate the need for companies to have competent in-house staff who are aware of the importance of compliance, the legal requirements of their role, and are responsible to implement the security controls on a daily basis. The reason is because even though certain activities can be outsourced, this organization needs to retain the skills to manage those activities in-house. They need to make sure that their staff adopt security practices while doing their operational activities.
0: I fully agree with you, Natasha. So I'm going to circle back to your original statement uh, earlier in our conversation where, you know, security needs to be everyone's responsibility. I think that is no different with compliance as well. Everyone plays a part in it. So I think this wraps up our podcast nicely today.
1: And before we close, do you have any final words for our audience? I see that the fast moving work of technology brings opportunities and challenges at the same time. It empowers business to grow, but also give more opportunities for attackers to do what they are doing. We need to recognize that the sophistication and variety of cyber attacks will continue to grow rapidly. For a free solution with big impact, organizations and individuals should keep up with the latest trends, of course, and effective ways to deal with these attacks. If government wants to build a good security baseline, Data protection regulations such as the GDPR in the EU and now the data protection law in Indonesia are definitely the way forward. As we get through the COVID-19 pandemic together, I feel that there's no better time than now to be prepared and improve your cybersecurity posture. You can start with implementing controls to close any security gaps you are aware of and ensure that your organization are well equipped to face cybersecurity challenges and embrace the opportunities to grow.
0: Thank you, Natasha. I think this has been a really insightful session for our audience. And I'd very much like to thank you for sharing your insights and unique views on the regulatory compliance landscape in Indonesia. Once this uh, whole COVID situation is over, I would really look forward to visiting you and the wider team in Jakarta as well sure thank you Sherry look forward Hi. to seeing you here in Jakarta same <laughs> so to those listening to the podcast thank you for tuning in today once again you've been listening to Ask a Suzo and this is Sherry Sim and Natasha Amadia signing off